Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Cy Wilmore. This is the second series of The Journey Podcast, where we're speaking to the writers and photographers who contributed to issue two of Journey Magazine. And as such, I'm joined by Rashmi Narayan. Morning, Rashmi. How are you doing? Morning, Cy. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Enjoying the weather? Very much. This is home for me. So I know a lot of people melt, but the tropical girl in me is like, yes, finally. <laughs> tropical girl. I mean, let's let's launch straight into it. Tropical girl, where are you from originally? Where's your family from? I'm from India and South India. Uh, Bangalore is the city that I was born and raised in. Um, ancestrally, the family comes all over the place, but still very proudly South Indian. And I say proudly South Indian because the language is different, the food is different. So you can imagine my shock when I come here and I see like naan on the menu. I'm like mm, something very unfamiliar to me. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but uh, Bangalore is pretty much where I spent 22 years of my life. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, families from there as I said uh, never had any intention of leaving the city it's a it's a great city people haven't been uh, the booze capital as well of uh, India so now you're talking plenty of, yeah <laughs> plenty of beer plenty of whiskey distilleries um, and the sad thing is people don't really drink the local whiskey they prefer stuff from Glasgow we'll we'll come back to that <laughs> but, I was gonna say uh, we'll come back to that you've already managed to annoy all the Scottish listening today just in the first three <laughs> minutes um, I mean, also something that I wasn't expecting to start talking about was bread. But you, you said naan bread isn't isn't a thing. Is that right? Uh, well, it is, but it's a more wedding thing. Um, you don't make it at home. It's it's way too complicated. And if you're invited to somebody's house, they're not going to be like, "I'm going to serve you naan." It's very alien. Naan right. and like palau and all that is just um, well, well, naan mainly is very wedding. So when I came here and I saw the menu, I was just like, okay, who's getting married? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and I think the guy um, who was serving us saw my face and he's like, 
you're from India, aren't you? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, okay. Look, I have to apologize. Nothing's going to look familiar. <laughs> this isn't for you. <laughs> sorry, this, like, is, wow, this okay. is all fake. I apologize. Wow. <laughs> so you, uh, sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, I appreciated his honesty. And to be fair, that was like the string of curry houses on Brick Lane. Um, and this was 12 years ago. So a lot has changed since of then. Course. But this was where all my other friends at university were like, yeah, you're going to take us to an Indian place and we're going to eat some authentic food. Me being silly and naive, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Okay, wow, this isn't anything I can recommend, but yes. <laughs> authentic British Indian, I guess, but not authentic Indian Indian. Okay, so- No, you're, you're wrong. I, I did enjoy it, but it was, yeah, completely different. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when did you come across from India to, to, was it for your studies? When did you move to the UK? Well, um, yeah, it was 2010. And uh, before that, so I did my bachelor's degree in journalism and psychology. Why psychology? I don't know. That was just an option that was I given to us. Um, I studied engineering. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. so, so clearly we're making use of our degree. <laughs> £26,000 well spent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but the, I always wanted to be a journalist. I was very, very clear of that. Um, well, either a journalist or a Formula One driver um yeah the formula we'll one that in a minute. yeah it was completely oscillating between two very different professions and well, you know the family they're like please write for god's sake don't try to drive a car it's just yeah and in <laughs> india please no but um so i graduated in 20 2008 in india in my, with my bachelor's degree and i got a fabulous job there with the times so it was the times of india my of first course. job wow. and uh, my job was to write about food travel and film Dream, Dream. Yeah, yeah, I know. Fantastic. So it was a lot of film reviews, um, interviewing a lot of actors, but this is Bollywood, so it was pretty sad. Um, <laughs> sorry, I know this is going a bit public, but yeah, what, I'm, I'm very proud to say that. Um, <laughs> and uh, food reviews were a lot of fun, and you profile chefs and all of that, talk about their journeys. And then the travel side came along, which was a lot of fun. I think I enjoyed that the most, where it was travel with a food angle. Sadly, I only got to experience that for about a year because um, coming from a strict Indian family, if you don't have a master's degree, you're pretty much worthless. So uh, <laughs> my mom was like, I don't care how comfortable you are or how much you love your job. You're going to get out of my house. You're going to go out, get out of your comfort zone and start from scratch, which I thought was pretty brutal where I'm like, why? <laughs> I, I, I love my network here. I love my job. I'm not going to go somewhere else to start from scratch. Yeah, she wasn't having any of it. So um, <laughs> got kicked out and she forced me to go to a place where I don't know anyone so that I don't you know, get familiar or anything. She's like, you have to go to a city where you literally don't know a soul and you're going to start from there. She's like, I don't care how hard it is and how long it takes, but you're not coming home till you do that. Wow. I mean, there's kind of incentivizing your children and then there's there's that. Right. So. And and the city that you did where you didn't know anybody was was London, is that right, or in the UK? Yeah, uh, London. Yeah. So you came and, here for your uh, masters. Yeah, and uh, it was it's a far bigger city that I could possibly imagine. Um, the, you know, especially the competition and everything. So as soon as I landed, I'm like, okay, so I'm I'm screwed. So this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think coming into university was helpful because you build an, a sort of network there. And another degree in journalism. So it was a master's degree in journalism. Pointless. I, I won't say go that far, but uh, <laughs> it, I studied multimedia journalism because I was familiar with print and I always sure. wanted to go back to print. But I thought, what if I learned some skills over there and if I wanted to move in another direction? 
so that was fun and um did a year a year of struggle with a lot of freelance work which was great but not enough to pay the rent so um i went back home for a month in 2012 just before the Olymp- uh, the olympics and um took my old job back and i realized how how right she was because nothing had changed back at home everybody was talking about the exact same things or they was still stuck where they were happily you know sheltered mm-hmm. and stuck where they were but i just felt like i had more to learn and you know achieve back here so i told mom i said i hate to admit it but you're right and um i didn't <laughs> want to burn my yeah <laughs> she loved it yeah. <laughs> i didn't want to burn my bridges back home because you know never want to leave on a bad note but thankfully my editor moved to dubai so i was like oh wow <laughs> so uh when he said bye i was like okay so i could leave as well then okay so <laughs> came back here again with no prospects nothing but that's when i said i'm going to work the hardest i ever have so uh 2012 i started working at time out and it was purely food and drink i started as an intern but then that you know worked my way up and um that was a lot of fun but then they became a free magazine um mm-hmm. and then i had a brief stint with radio um during the olympics uh, well actually it was post olympics where there were still jobs going but there were more of interviewing athletes and aspiring athletes and all of this that this is in before. dubai or in london or somewhere else no no in london all in london is- Yeah yeah. My editor moved to Dubai so it was easy for me to Oh, well, Peggy, but I thought you meant you were just kind of following your editor around the world. Okay, no. So they they went to Dubai and you thought, "Okay, this is my get out clause. I'm going back to London." And you yeah. came back to London just in the the 2012 summer just as the Olympics. Oh, that was a good year to be in London, right? That was. Yeah. That yeah. and that's when there was a lot of opportunity. So I thought, "If I don't do this now, I'm not going to, you know." And to think that was 10 years ago is now a bit weird. but yeah <laughs> I, i i was living in in london at 2012 by this point as well and it was genuinely one of the i don't know if you remember i don't know if maybe you weren't around but 2012 was of course because we've just had the the platinum jubilee 10 years ago of course was the the diamond jubilee um uh so it was that straight into the summer of the olympics basically and i remember thinking with mates in like february march time like spotlight on london this is going to be a disaster we are going to look stupid on the global on the global stage like everyone's going to be watching london and people will realize that we're a bit lazy and a bit stupid and a bit useless and then the plat- uh, sorry then the jubilee happened and it was brilliant and everyone suddenly went like that hang on now london is amazing and everyone was really happy and spoke to each other on the tube i, I mean we all know normally if you speak to a stranger on the tube you know you need help right you're having a breakdown basically but all the people were just happy to see each other and it was really hot i seem to remember but it was fine and there was this wonderful kind of happiness in london that i love london i always have but there was a happiness that you don't always get there so you're kind of riding the wave of this in your new multimedia uh, journalism career is that right Yeah, it was actually you you're so right and now when I think about it people were smiling on the tube which <laughs> never happens and yeah, I'm going okay it's the weather or something in the air and I said whatever it is I'm happy to ride the wave on it <laughs> and um, it was great because that's when there were a lot of job opportunities not much with print media really but was okay. more with like radio and I thought let's get into that why not um radio was fun and it was a part of the roundhouse um in camden in camden fantastic yeah so they still have a radio station but it's not something you can tune into it's just more of an online thing and it was you know contractual work which is perfect because i wasn't sure how much i was enjoying it or not and um i was i did miss 
writing and I didn't miss, you know, like long form features and all of that. So, um, yeah, actually, time out happened, then radio. And once I finished my radio stint, that's when I'm like, okay, there's not much happening apart from writing freelance and definitely not much travel writing. So I started, um, I got into copywriting for a massive firm. It paid really well. But and I got lost into it because you can somehow lose yourself in the stability of it all, you know, because I've only had freelance work since my first job at the time. So I was think thinking, right, I'm going to do this. This is going to be fun. And it was for a while, but uh, four and a half years passed on. And I thought, good God, where where have I gone with this? Um, and I decided to become freelance just before the pandemic. It was mm. uh, 2020 where I'm like yay you know what new decade I'm gonna you know reclaim everything oh yeah March 2020 happened and we're like yeah we'll see but um <laughs> it was great because I did meet uh you know a great network of people from the you know British Guild of Travel Writers mm. who sort of said go for it um and because I was really nervous thinking I've been out of it for a while and um I do remember one of the journalists went you never go out of it you've always you know uh, you can always get back into it. Why do you think there's a timeline to anything? You've done your copywriting. You've learned from it. You know, that's something you don't want to do. So now jump into what, you know, you want to do. And travel writing was um, still a challenge in 2020, as we all know. Uh, yeah, so for, sure. I, <laughs> for you as well, it's I'm putting sure. Putting it lightly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, right, I'll do some food writing then. And it, that was great. So there was still a fair bit of you know, talking to chefs about, okay, what are the challenges your restaurants are facing? And thanks to Time Out, I'd already built that network where they were still, you know, there and started doing a bit of food writing. And um, other writing also came into perspective, which I didn't expect. Um, started writing about whiskey as well. And um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just about to ask, I mean, maybe that kind of harks back to, to your heritage, you might say, but it's also quite a, a bit of a leap you've gone from should we say kind of almost like sports reporting, Olympics-based reporting, moving through to alcohol? That's that's quite a. I mean, that's my kind of journey. Exercise through <laughs> to alcohol. That's uh, <laughs> I'm all in. But I mean, where where did the opportunity? How did you first get to? Was it kind of within the realm of travel, or was it more connected to the the the, the non world of travel? Let's say the lockdown world. Actually, no. It was uh, it was within travel where um I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the magazine. But um, it's uh, well, it was I think tonic. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tonic, and um, yeah, that's tonic. when I even yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it, when it said travel, adventure, and drink. I'm like, this sounds perfect. And <laughs> they just put a call out on on Twitter, um, the founders, and I thought, let me get in touch. And that's how I met half of them at the British Guild of Travel Writers through Rob and Benita. Through Benita and Rob, yeah, fantastic. Yep. And um, I just wrote to them saying, look, I love the magazine. I, I would love to write for your next issue. And I do remember that, uh, Rob saying, okay, what do you have? I said, you know, like a genius. I went, oh, whiskey from the Orkney Islands. He was like, well, that's still Scotland. And <laughs> everybody knows that. And he's like, what other whiskey you can write about? I was like, well, there's some that they, you know, distill back at home that's popular. It's won awards. He's like, there's your story. You, you know you know home you know the people you can you don't have to really travel there so you can get us the story so so for issue two I wrote about whiskey in India and that I thought that was going to be a one-off thing but I enjoyed that story so much that I thought maybe there's more to you know writing about whiskey than I ever thought and uh, yeah that just snowballed and now um, it's something I really enjoy it's um, distilleries around the world new world whiskeys 
still Scotland, of course, but of course. Um, you know, I, I sort of bring it back to where the whiskies I love from Scotland. But but yeah, one thing led to another. So it's a lot of travel, food and whiskey. But the whiskey side seems to get more people reading it. So. <laughs> travel, food and whiskey. I mean, that as far as I'm concerned, that is the absolute dream. And it's um, it, I mean, it's quite a you don't hear a lot of travel and, and whiskey, let's say it's not really a thing. Although, you know, the folks at Tonic are out, uh, Tonic Magazine, hi, Rob, hi, Benita. Check out the tonicmag.com, guys. It's a fantastic product. Um, drink and travel is such an iconic thing that largely gets overlooked compared to, let's say, food and travel. But as you say, particularly with the New World whiskies now, I mean, coming out of places like Japan, some of the best whiskey, I probably won't, I probably shouldn't say this if the Scottish people are listening, but some of the best, and, and Irish, of course, some of the best whiskies in the world are coming out of Japan and they're winning awards and they're beating the more traditional uh, kind of traditional market whiskies, let's say Ireland and Scotland being the obvious two. Um, and there's some phenomenal drinks coming out of it. And of course, they lend themselves, therefore, very well to travel articles, right? Yeah. And uh, what I love about the Japanese culture with whiskey is they learned it from Scotland back in the 1900s. That's right, yeah. So um, they, I love how they went back to Japan and found similar, you know, conditions where with the climate and everything, of course, that's changing now. But, you know, it's amazing what they could produce from there with whatever knowledge they got from Scotland. That's pretty amazing, as you said. And there's so many whiskeys coming up. I tried an Australian one, a New Zealand one, and um, I think it's it it's such an integral part of travel as well. Like how wine tourism has picked up. I thought, why can't something like I, I don't think whiskey tourism would become a thing, but hey, who's to say? I, do you know what? I dare say it could easily become a thing. I get uh, Facebook adverts all the time for um, like whiskey investments. I don't know if you've seen stuff like this, you know, buy a barrel, go in on a, a, a barrel of whiskey with your friends. Probably 10 years from now, it will be 10x in value or whatever, if it's the proper stuff. So Lord knows there's that kind of appetite for it. And I dare say maybe Rashmi Narayan should be the, the leading expert on wine. Sorry, not wine, on whiskey tours in the future, right? Who knows? Oh, I'll gladly do that because um, <laughs> that, that also led to me hosting a whiskey tasting in London, which I never oh, thought would course, happen. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is a drink I really enjoy. It's something I tend to keep to myself a lot, but um, otherwise it's usually a beer with your friends, right? But sure. this sort of opened up so many more opportunities. So I thought I'm going to, you know, make the most of it, as you said. Who knows? Whiskey tourism could be the next thing. So I'm going to go and uh, register that domain right now, whiskeytourism.com because that, that could be a thing. Let's talk a bit more about kind of your, your travels. Um, obviously, whiskey could argue, nowadays, whiskey could take you anywhere in the world, I think, particularly, as we say, more kind of towards uh, towards India, Southeast Asia, Japan, etc. Uh, in terms of travel more general, what kind of places have you been to, either with whiskey or without, that have been kind of favourite destinations or favourite trips, and perhaps, uh, perhaps least favourite? Um, actually, when I was copywriting, that's when I realized how much I miss travel. Even if I wasn't writing about it, I had to travel. So um, I had I got this reputation of being that that maniac who would get away for a weekend. So um, <laughs> it, it, they would all laugh at me at the firm where they'd be like, oh, where are you off to this month? Because, hey, if you're earning decent money, you want to put that somewhere. So you're like, sure. OK, I'm going to get away. So I basically used to do a lot of weekend trips across Europe. Um, I'm a massive train geek, so I would jump on the train and see, okay, where, where's it going to take Fantastic. me? Um, in terms of favorite destinations, my God, there's so many, but um, I would have to say, this is not a train thing, but um, I would definitely have to 
go all the way down to South Africa. It really surprised me where the Eastern Cape, the Western Cape, the differences and just the history with it, uh, with how much they you know, appreciate the land, how, how connected they are with nature. And I'm not just talking about safaris or anything. It's just every day. This is somebody in Joburg who said, you know, oh, are you not very well? I was like, oh, no, just, you know, asthma, something in the air. And he's like, oh, there's a healing thing for that. And he was talking about like actual like medicinal herbs and all that. This is someone in a massive city talking about, you know, not just running to a pharmacy and popping a pill was like <laughs> oh you know maybe if you mash this up and it was just lovely seeing completely different uh, you know cultures and backgrounds come into one country and some of the nicest people I met and um, yeah I'm still counting for the days where I can go back so I, I would definitely say South Africa it was fantastic even the sea is very different from you know the Indian Ocean side, which is warmer. And then you jump into the Atlantic Ocean side for a swim, and you're like, okay, no, 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 I'm gonna. <laughs> it's freezing, and wow. it's but yeah, it's it was really really. Interesting. And how far are these two places apart? Just for somebody who's not familiar with South Africa. Uh, from the eastern and western Cape, um, I actually did a train journey across as well. Um, oh, so yeah, um, God, actually, no, I would say fly if you want to save time. Fly. Uh, the flight is about an hour and a half from. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's almost day tripable, right? To go from one side to the other, uh, yeah. and you could go and have a nice. You could wake up next to the freezing ocean, go and have a dip in the nice warm ocean, and almost come back for tea time, kind of thing, right? Yeah, I think the town is called George, where the two oceans meet, and right. um, it's a weird, really weird thing. Of you know, if you've run a bath and you don't really know what's going on with it, sometimes with the hot and cold, it's felt like that, where you run into the sea. <laughs> course they say be careful because it's also a place for a lot of sharks so um oh, yeah but but it's super interesting and it's it's a great country to visit Fantastic. people are the nicest you yeah and just for um, just for the record i'm not advocating taking two short haul flights in a day that's not very sustainable um i'm just giving you an idea of how far away it is um yeah if you can take the train it might take a little bit longer but take the train as as rashmi did and that'll be a lot yeah, it, it was an overnight train yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So it, it doesn't take very long, actually, if you, you know, you get in, in Joburg, sleep, you know, when you wake up, you're in Cape Town. So, yeah, as you said, fantastic. the overnight train might be the best option as well. Excellent. Okay. Um, so, you're, you know, you're flitting around the world, you're going to South Africa, you're seeing these amazing destinations and maybe a, a, a dram of whiskey or two along the way. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, yeah <laughs> you seem kind of not that happy about that. that to me, seems like an absolute dream. Um, actually, brandy is most popular in South Africa, which is something oh. I discovered. I know. Oh, uh, so those of you who've been or, you know, want to go, it's not just the wine that's uh, popular. It's amazing how much they love their brandy. And uh, who knows, there, there could be something there as well for me. <laughs> Any spirits, let's throw her in. <laughs> <laughs> just anything with booze in it. Rashmi's <laughs> interested, folks. If you're, uh, if you're a drinks magazine, get in touch. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, and, and well, and then you got involved with Journey. Let's just get straight into that. Uh, you're active in the world of travel and whiskey or travel and drinks writing. How did you get involved with Journey magazine? Um, it's funny because... Um... Last year, when I uh, had issue one, I remember sitting in my local park, reading it, loving it. And I told myself, I want to write for this magazine. I really do. I don't care what it takes. And uh, bless Emma, the editor in chief. She was wonderfully patient with me because I sent her several ideas. And she went, <laughs> you can send me one. That's fine. <laughs> she could see how... through the process. Go on. Hi, Emma. <laughs> Hi, Emma. Sorry about that again. But yeah, I sent her many ideas. It was like fireworks in her inbox. And bless her, she was wonderfully patient and said, OK, let's narrow this down. So what do you like of all these destinations that wow. you've given me? Um, but they, um, she was nice enough when she said that they wanted to look into um, a food angle travel as well for sure and that was perfect because um by then i'd already done a fair bit of freelancing on everything with travel like hotel reviews in the u.s to whiskey in the u.s all of that <laughs> but i wasn't really sure where i could fit in with journey but i knew that i wanted to write journey 100 percent. so i was very determined on that and um emma gave me a list of destinations that haven't been covered and um, funnily enough, the first country I ever went to was Egypt. And, yeah. um, you know, and the last country I went to before the pandemic was also Egypt. So it was like a lovely little circle. Right. Um, probably my second favorite after South Africa. So it was really, wow. really fun writing about it. Um, it's only the second time when I went that I, you know, um, realized how amazing the food is. The, the first time you're a teenager, you know, you, you're not really massively looking into food in a country as much I used to sure. but when you're in Egypt you're more on like oh you know the obvious things like the pyramids but 2019 was when I was there last and it was fabulous when I started exploring the food side of things and you realize how underrated the food is um, because it easily gets overshadowed with oh is it Lebanese with falafels or is it you know this side of North Africa like Morocco Morocco absolutely know? And I would just say it's a mix of everything. And it's also got like British and Indian influences, Italian influences. So um, when she mentioned Egypt, that's when it was like jackpot. I said, you know what, leave this to me and I'll, I'll get that for you. And I really enjoyed writing that piece. It was basically a journey through Egypt, through its food. That's so right. yeah. um, did the train journey again from <laughs> Cairo to Luxor. Mm -hmm. It's like stuff you pack on your train journey, which snacks I bought from the station and things like that and um the seafood market up in alexandria which was amazing they cook that fish right in front of you so you don't really have to i mean they give you a bag for you to take it home and cook it but yeah. i was like you can make it for me here and he's like yeah what do you want do you want some tomatoes some onions tell me how you want your fish and that is really cool to go to a place and they serve you your fish right there saying how do you want it yeah that's fantastic well, uh, I, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say, give us a, a flavour of a few of the other destinations, but that feels a little on the nose, to be honest. But tell us a little bit about. There's a lot of kind of chickpeas. There's a lot of falafels in the food as well. I, my mouth's watering. It's 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 not good. Um, I'm gonna have to rinse my mouth out with some coffee. 
the best of all, they do have falafel, but they also do like an Egyptian scotch egg. So that is something. And so it's basically with the falafel, but there's an wow. egg inside. And initially I thought, oh God, is this going to be a bit dry? Because we all love a good scotch egg, right? Of course, of course. This was phenomenal <laughs> and felt lighter. And I'm like, why is this not a thing back in London? And the guy was very cross when I said that. And he's like, no, because you're in Egypt, like almost reminding <laughs> me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the Egyptian scotch egg is one of the best, I would say. Def definitely tried. You get it everywhere. Um, presumably it's just an Egyptian egg rather than an Egyptian scotch egg. And presumably fully vegetarian or maybe even vegan. Is that right? So that's something that could absolutely po be popular in London nowadays. Exactly, which is why I thought if this goes into a farmer's market on a Saturday, there's going to be loads of yeah. people around. You know, it's just falafel and egg. And the falafel is green because the sort of chickpeas they use, it's re and it's a very bright green, so it's quite appealing to the eye as well. And um, it's a form of chickpeas they use, which is really, really fabulous. And according to one of the street vendors, that's a sign of a good falafel. If it's proper bright green inside, then wow. you know they're using the right chickpeas that you're meant to use for falafel. Fantastic. Well, there you go, folks. If you were interested in a new type of scotch egg, the Egyptian egg, let's call it, for lack of a better phrase. Um, where, where was this? Was this in Egypt or in, in Cairo it was, specifically? It was in Cairo specifically, yeah. Fantastic. Um, I did get lost in Cairo twice. Uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, and they love that sort of thing when you're lost. It's like, I'll show you the way, but do you want to buy this rug first? And then... <laughs> So then I can point you in the right direction. And I'm just like, oh my God, okay, I'll buy anything. Just tell me how to get out of this. <laughs> I'll buy all the Egyptian eggs you've got. Just, just yeah. let me go. <laughs> oh, food wasn't a problem for them. It was more on like textiles and everything. They're like, food, we'll feed you. That's fine. Oh, wow. It's the, the other things, it's you know, you things. want a lamp. <laughs> yeah. and you, then you've just got to travel around the rest of Egypt on a train just with a rug under your arm. Yeah. A rug and a lamp. A <laughs> <laughs> What's the... Uh, um, what, yeah, go. Sorry, no, but uh, I would say if you want to try really good um, Egyptian food, there are some restaurants in London, but of course, go to Egypt, but the Egyptian breakfast is one of the best you can have. It'll set you off for the rest of the day. It's just, it's called ful. It's a fava bean stew thing with pita bread. And it's very extraordinary, unlike anything you've tasted. It's, um, and you don't have to worry about spices or all of that. It's just very hearty. It's really nice. And I know it's surprising to have that in a hot country, but you'll be amazed as to how wonderfully fulfilling it is. Fantastic. And that's called FUL, F-U-L, for anybody looking to discover Egyptian food. But as you said, as you say, this is probably available in, in London and maybe some of the bigger cities in the UK. But more importantly, get yourself down to, again, Cairo, was it? Get yourself to Cairo to get the real thing. Yeah. What? Oh, God, I'm ready for my breakfast, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, what uh, coming up into the future? What kind of trip? Do you have any trips planned? Do you have any? Have you got an, uh, an egg importing business on the way? Perhaps. What's the future hold? Um, I'm trying to explore more um, indigenous cultures and their cooking wow. styles and methods. So um, there's a couple of countries on my radar. So Canada is one. Jamaica is one. Um, and probably a few others, um, well, some within India, some within the um, African continent as well. It's approaching these cultures without, you know, annoying them because sure. for them it's like a day to day part of their lives. And But it's also how much are you going to disrupt it if you're going to go there? But some seem very open to it. So Jamaica, they're very, you know, very wonderfully. Yeah, we'll show you what we cook. We just pluck this and, you know, put it in a pot. What do you want? <laughs> but, um, it's more discovering that. Um, 
I did also go on a path of trying to discover other spirits around the world. And I discovered one literally between the Texas and Mexico border. And keeping all everything else aside, I thought, if someone wants to have a good time in those parts of the world, there's a spirit for that. <laughs> so like spirit is like the, the opposite of building a wall in some ways, right? It's building a, a bridge between people. So what's, exactly. the, what's the kind of spirit? Is it, what's it based on? It's uh, similar to mezcal, and it's okay. like uh, so. It's funny how mezcal's already evolved from you know being the poor cousin of tequila, and now mezcal's like the you know the big thing. Sure. So it's like a cousin of mezcal, but a lot older. It's called sotol, and um, it looks like people have been drinking that you know from the Mayan civilization apparently. Wow. But it's not very popular because it's sort of the plant that grows everywhere across Texas, across New Mexico, across Mexico. So it's quite earthy and dry. So the, the issue with that um, spirit is it's not to everyone's taste, but those who like it, they love it. And uh, those who, uh, <laughs> Rashmi those likes the spirit, the shock. <laughs> is it, what, is it, when you say earthy, is it almost like a whiskey meets mezcal? What's the taste? No, that's the funny thing. It's, um, uh it's actually yeah it is it, it's more of um it's more of brandy meets mezcal interesting it's got wow. a slight sweetness to it as well but there's no grapes or anything involved it's just purely an earthy spirit it's also sustainable which makes it great Excellent. because you can harvest it straight away you don't have to wait for several years like mezcal and um, very easy to make they a lot of people have tried to moonshine sotol and failed but now it's becoming quite <laughs> popular uh, it's still popular in mexico and texas but when i went to texas uh, that's when i realized that this could be the next big thing because uh, it's wow. easier to make than mezcal but again it's got a very very uh, specific taste so yeah fantastic so stay tuned folks for the new uh well, sotol is that right yeah a new egg and sotol importing business brought to you by <laughs> by Rashni. fantastic um, uh, when we'll kind of start moving towards the end of today's chat, Rashmi, if that's all right. But before we go, uh, what advice would you give to somebody starting out in the industry if they were looking to get into food or travel or, or sports reporting? Seems like you've had an incredibly varied career already. What kind of advice would you give to somebody looking to, to follow you in your footsteps, let's say? Um, actually, my journey has been very interesting as purely an immigrant as well and it can be quite intimidating when you see um you know Absolutely. competition and everything and it's going to sound very uh, cliche but i all i'd say is you have to do it and you have to start somewhere so start with your local paper if you want start with you know and one good thing that i've noticed from the 12 years that i've been here is that people are more open to pitches from you know a diverse lens really um that are told from a different perspective sure. and I love how things are changing for the better than when I was here initially so keep an eye out on call for pitches on Twitter people are always looking for fresh ideas and they're much nicer than you can imagine um <laughs> if, if they don't respond don't worry you can still you know there's plenty out there and if, if you're feeling lost, um, as I said, approach your local paper, say, look, I'm going to you know, write about this. I've noticed your travel sections a bit, you know, covering the same places. And I've been here, here and here. Can I write 500 words? Let me know. That could be a great place to start and build your way up. Fantastic. I mean, this is a lot of the great, great kind of international, let's say, journalists absolutely started with the, well, the local rag, as they used to call it back in the day, right? The 
the uh, and there are some some of them that are still doing phenomenally well especially in the big cities i think you know the manchester kind of uh, dailies or, or regular papers still have a fantastic circulation and they're a, a really wicked way to well let's definitely say start your career but many people have had an entire career for these regionals and they seem to be very very happy so that seems like a fantastic starting point and i guess because it's regional you can be a bit more there's a closeness right there's a closeness literally the proximity to be able to introduce yourself does that sound fair yeah and i think you can then start uh, understanding what your specialization is because if you start out with food and think mm, actually this is getting a bit repetitive and boring but within that same network you can say can i you know build this over to travel then because you know you expand that network as you rightly said and go to something bigger fantastic uh you mentioned twitter let's talk about twitter how can people find you online if they want to reach out if they want to if they want to help you launch an egg importing business how can people get in touch so we're talking about a very specific falafel egg yes <laughs> yes exactly oh, yes i should say <laughs> falafel egg uh, empire exactly right how can people find you online i have options now thank you si. <laughs> you're um, welcome so my Twitter is my first name underscore surname nine. I will spell that out. So it's Rashmi, R-A-S-H-M-I underscore Narayan, N-A-R-A-Y-A-N nine. And I'm on Twitter. So give me a shout, say hello. I'm always um, happy to have a chat. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Rashmi. Really appreciate it. And we, oh, well, I look forward to seeing uh, a subtle story in the future very soon thank you so much fingers uh, crossed thanks so much si. thanks Rashmi. thank you you've been listening to the journey podcast which is available at journeymag.com that's j-r-n-y-m-a-g.com or wherever you usually access your podcasts i'm si wilmore and thanks for listening Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.